0: Welcome to the podcast, Crime Salad, where we talk true crime. I'm your host, Ashley, and with me always is my husband and partner in crime, Ricky. The purpose of this podcast is to honor the victims through ethical storytelling in the hopes of preventing future tragedies. We want our stories to resonate and educate others in hopes that some of these similar cases with identifiable patterns can be prevented. Now, before we jump in, please let us warn you that this is a true crime podcast. The details of this episode may be triggering to some listeners. Listener discretion advised. On October 31st, 2022, at approximately 6.30 p.m., Ashley Bush was reported as a missing person by her fiance, Joshua Willis. Ashley and Josh both lived in Benton County, Arkansas. To complicate matters, 33-year-old Ashley was pregnant with her fourth child. Police discovered that the couple was under heavy financial stress at the time of Ashley's disappearance. And they also learned that Ashley had recently been put on bed rest due to preterm labor. While she was only 31 weeks pregnant, she was already two centimeters dilated. And to further complicate matters, her fiance Josh had been out of work for a few months related to an injury to his back. He had recently undergone several back and spinal surgeries and was no longer able to properly provide for the family. His most recent surgery occurred just a few days prior to Ashley's disappearance. That meant that at the time of Ashley's disappearance, she was the sole provider for their family. And as a result of her medical complications, which were keeping her from work, she was also looking for something that she could do from home. The family was in dire financial condition and their cell phones were scheduled to be turned off if Ashley couldn't earn enough money for the payment. Given Ashley's medical condition, it was imperative the couple have at least one working phone in case Ashley went into early labor. At only 31 weeks gestation, it would be likely that Ashley's baby would need emergency medical care. Even under these difficult circumstances, Ashley's family was her first priority. Ashley was described as friendly and nurturing and would give you the shirt off her back. She didn't have much, but what she did have, she was always willing to share. Together with Josh, they had two little girls and a little boy aged two to eight years old. Ashley was desperate to fix her situation, so she turned to the internet looking for a little help while keeping her unborn baby safely in her womb for a few more weeks. According to Ashley's husband, she had recently gone to an interview for a work-from-home job opportunity. She learned about the job after placing an ad on a local Facebook group for moms. As desperate as Ashley was to provide for her family, that seemed meaningless in the wake of her disappearance. Josh was in complete panic when he reported her missing. He would give interviews to any news outlet willing to interview him. His desperation to find his wife was evident in his pleas to the public for help in finding her. He told one news outlet that he thought perhaps Lucy had tried to buy Ashley's baby and the two fought over it. As many of you know, the leading cause of death outside of medical causes for pregnant women is intimate partner violence. According to the World Health Organization, globally, an estimated 38 percent of all female homicides are committed by an intimate partner. Pregnancy can be a particularly vulnerable time for women who are in an abusive relationship as the abuse may escalate during pregnancy. And as most consumers of true crime content know, the husband or the boyfriend is always the first suspect when a woman goes missing. In fact, in most cases where a pregnant woman goes missing, the last person to see her alive is often her intimate partner. This means that the partner may have important information about her disappearance or may have been involved in some way. However, in Ashley's case, Josh was immediately cooperative and the police were able to clear him quickly from a combination of eyewitnesses, forensic computer evidence, and cell phone data. In fact, early in the investigation, there was evidence that Ashley had been abducted and that it had crossed state lines. Due to the urgency in Ashley's medical condition, the local police brought in the FBI. Because the abduction had crossed state lines, Ashley's disappearance was now a federal matter. Their biggest fear was that this case was a fetal abduction. Now, a fetal abduction is a rare and extremely violent crime in which a fetus is forcibly removed from the womb of a pregnant woman against her will. The perpetrators of fetal abductions are usually women who are unable to conceive or carry a pregnancy to term. They also can be a woman who has suffered a miscarriage or a loss of a child and is seeking a replacement. Or, in some cases, the perpetrator is seeking a child to save a relationship or tie their partner to the relationship through parenthood. The reasons behind fetal abduction are complex and varied. One thing that they all share is the fact that the perpetrator has convinced themselves that stealing a baby is the only way to fulfill their desire for motherhood. It's an act of desperation and despair without any real regard for the life of the mother. Given this information, the Benton County Sheriff's Department turned to the public for help. They released a missing person post following a press conference on November 2nd of 2022. And in it, they stated, quote, Ashley Bush was last seen in the passenger seat of an older model tan pickup truck on the afternoon of October 31st, 2022, at the intersection of Highway 72 and Highway 43 in Maysville, Arkansas. She had red hair and blue eyes and was 31 weeks pregnant. The driver was a white woman in her 40s with shoulder-length brown hair who stated her name was Lucy. Ashley met Lucy online when she was looking for a job working from home. Lucy picked her up that morning at the Handy Mart in Maysville to take her to a job interview in Bentonville. At approximately 3 o'clock p.m., Ashley texted her ride to say that she was in Gravette on her way to the Handy Mart so he could pick her up. Lucy and Ashley arrived at the intersection near Handy Mart, turned north onto Highway 43, and continued north. She has not been seen or heard from since... She was last seen wearing a black hoodie, blue jeans, and black slip-on shoes. Now, the reason why they had such a detailed description of their suspect is because of the cooperation of the fiancé, Josh Willis. He told police that Lucy had contacted Ashley because she had placed several posts in several Facebook groups, but he wasn't exactly sure which group was the right group. So police began their investigation with the ad that Ashley placed on the local mom's group. It stated, quote, I have entered my third trimester, but I'm needing everything for my little girl. The doctor has taken me off work, trying to keep this little escape artist a little longer. I can go back to the doctor on Tuesday to see if the labor has progressed or if I'm still dilated only to two. I'm starting to have issues with my blood pressure, and I'm worried I'm not going to be able to work anymore. We had an infant car seat, pack and play, and bouncer and storage. I went yesterday, the infant car seat expires at the end of the month, and there are holes in the pack and play and bouncer. I'm not even gonna lie. I'm scared to death that this baby is going to come early. We have to start from square one. We also have a registry at Walmart under Josh Willis and Ashley Bush, my legal name. But that wasn't the only group that Ashley belonged to seeking assistance. She also belonged to a local mom's work-from-home group. But instead of finding someone to help, Ashley found someone who wanted something from her. Something the mother-to-be wasn't willing to give up. Her baby. But it wasn't just the police who were looking for Ashley. Josh had rallied friends and family almost immediately. He too began with the mom's working-from-home Facebook group. As soon as the group members learned that one of their own was missing, they immediately went into action looking for the Lucy that Ashley had met online. And they narrowed it down to a Lucy Barrows, who had created her Facebook page on October 25th, 2022, and immediately began looking for mothers who were in imminent need of newborn-related items. Lucy had also posted in a second group that Ashley belonged to. That group was for mothers looking for work-from-home jobs. After exchanging a few messages, Ashley was told that she would have to meet with Lucy in person. Josh had a bad feeling about the whole thing. It just didn't make any sense to him why a work-from-home job would require an in-person interview. This was 2022, and he couldn't understand why this interview couldn't take place virtually, especially with Ashley, who was supposed to be on limited physical activities. A few days later, Josh drove himself and Ashley to the Gravette Public Library in Benton County, Arkansas. And once there, Ashley met with Lucy and they discussed Ashley's pregnancy. Lucy seemed very interested. And Ashley shared the fact that her baby was measuring further along and that she had already dilated two centimeters. And Lucy seemed less interested in the position with the company called Conduent than she was in Ashley's personal circumstances. Now, for the record, Conduent is a real company, but they didn't have anyone working for them by the name of Lucy Barrows, and they didn't conduct interviews at local libraries. During the interview, Lucy kept mentioning that she had a ton of baby supplies that she would like to give to the family. She handed Ashley a sack of employment paperwork and told her that she would get back to her via email. According to Lucy, the position was practically hers, but she had to wait to see if the big boss had time to interview her in person at the company headquarters in Bentonville, Arkansas. Lucy messaged Ashley a few hours later and told her that she had set up the interview, but she had to personally escort her there. They set up a time for her early in the day on Halloween, Lucy again messaged Ashley at 11 o'clock p.m. on October 28th, telling her that she would meet Ashley at the Handy Stop convenience store located in Maysville, Arkansas, on October 31st at 9 o'clock a.m. Lucy promised that it wouldn't take more than a few hours and she would have her back in time to get her children ready for trick-or-treating later that evening. According to the probable cause affidavit, in this case, Josh drove Ashley to the location where they met up with Lucy. At the time, Lucy was driving an older model tan truck. It was the same tan truck that she had driven to the public library a few days earlier. Ashley kissed Josh goodbye and told him that she would text him when she was ready to be picked up at the same location. Now, we don't know what transpired between 9 a.m., and 3 o'clock p.m. since we know that there was no job interview. It's likely Lucy had told her she received a text saying that the interview was rescheduled for later. Maybe Lucy was having second thoughts or was still deciding on how she was going to accomplish her goal. Maybe she convinced Ashley to drive back with her to her home, which was across the state border in Missouri, to pick up the fictional baby supplies. But what we do know is that Josh received a text message at approximately 3 o'clock p.m. from Ashley's phone. She told him she was in Gravette, Arkansas, and she was ready for him to pick her up and was approximately 10 minutes away. Josh was already on his way to the handy stop and was parked and waiting for Ashley when he noticed Lucy's pickup truck drive right past him. And she turned, looked right at him, and made a turn onto Highway 43 traveling north. Josh saw that Ashley was in the passenger seat, but wasn't sure of her condition. Josh tried to drive after the truck, but he lost it. Later, he told Channel 5 News that, quote, all I saw was her and the lady, and the lady she rode with both passed me, neither one stopped. The driver looked at me and kept going. Josh's feelings of unease had become a full out panic. He began calling Ashley's phone, but it went directly to voicemail.
1: Within hours, Josh had been to all of the Facebook groups looking for his wife to no avail. He called the conduit corporate offices and learned that there wasn't anybody by the name of Lucy Barrows working for them, nor was there an appointment scheduled that day for his wife. He continued calling Ashley's phone for hours. Later that evening, with the help of family members, he was able to ping the last location of Ashley's cell phone. He found it in a ditch about a half mile away from the location where he saw her in Maysville. The next day, he took police back to the location where he found the phone and turned it over to them along with Ashley's passcode. While reviewing Ashley's phone, the Benton County Sheriff's Office was able to locate a Facebook account for Lucy Barrows. The account had been newly created just a few days earlier, and the first post stated, quote, I have a bunch of baby items if any moms-to-be need them. Police were able to identify two witnesses who saw a man throw out a red and black phone from the window of a blue or light gray Chevrolet pickup truck where Ashley's phone had been found. Investigators submitted the exigent circumstances required for Ashley's phone. Through GPS data, they discovered that Ashley's phone left the Maysville area at 11.07 a.m. and crossed over the state border into Missouri at 11.41 a.m. to an area near Pineville, Missouri. From 1:09 p.m. to 1.28 p.m., Ashley's phone traveled to Lachlan Road in Pineville, Missouri, which would turn out to be 0.15 miles from the residence of Jamie and Amber Waterman. Ashley's phone returned to Maysville, Arkansas at approximately 6.51 p.m. After receiving this emergency phone data, Benton County Detectives Simpson and Stewart coordinated with the McDonald County Sheriff's Office to travel to the home owned by the Watermans and ask if they had seen anything. The detectives took immediate note to the fact that there was a tan truck that fit the description of the truck that had been driven by the fictional Lucy. In addition to the tan truck, there was another blue truck that matched the description of the witness who saw a male driver throw Ashley's phone into a ditch back in Maysville. When officers looked a little closer at the tan truck, they noticed blood stains on the center console, the steering wheel, and the headliner of the vehicle. They asked the Watermans for consent to search the residence and the outbuildings, which were quickly granted. When they asked Amber if they could look at her cell phone, she explained that she had recently lost it. The Watermans were willing to cooperate as they had recently been through their own tragedy. Amber told detectives that on October 31, 2022, she had been at her residence all day with her son and her husband's cousin's daughter. Later in the afternoon, Amber, who was several weeks overdue, had finally gone into labor. Except when she called her husband, she didn't describe it as labor. Instead, she curiously explained that she was experiencing a miscarriage. After 42 weeks gestation, this would normally be described as a stillbirth. But Amber, in her emotional state, was describing it as a miscarriage. According to the probable cause affidavit, Amber had the female relative at her residence call 911 and report that she was in labor. She told emergency services that she couldn't wait for them and would drive and meet the ambulance at a store located in McDonald County, Missouri. Once emergency services arrived, they tried to revive the female infant, but were unsuccessful. Amber, who had the placenta from the baby in her pants, turned it over to the EMTs along with the baby's body and refused an examination. She named the baby Dakota Waterman and had a funeral planned for her baby the next day. By this time, law enforcement was notified that the IP address that created the Lucy Barrows' identity belonged to the home of the Watermans. When Amber was asked if she knew Ashley Bush, she said that she saw the story on the news, but she had never spoken to her or met her. When they asked if she knew anybody by the name of Lucy Barrows, she explained that she did know Lucy. They had previously worked together at Walmart, and she hadn't spoken to Lucy in a few weeks. She claimed that she and Lucy were not close, but they recently bumped into each other at a store and reconnected. Now, police were pretty sure that Amber and Lucy were one of the same. However, Ashley was still missing at this point, and without a body, they were unable to arrest Amber. Jamie told detectives that he went to work on the 31st at 6am and returned home at noon for lunch. He claimed that the tan truck along with his wife and children were all gone, and this contradicts Amber's statement that she was home all day. After having lunch, Jamie returned to work. Around 4.30 p.m., he received a phone call from Amber telling him that she had suffered a miscarriage. Jamie said he drove straight home and took Amber and their two children to meet the ambulance. At the time of the interview, Jamie said he had no knowledge of Ashley Bush other than what he saw in the news, but police thought that Jamie knew more than he was sharing. They decided that they needed to get him alone and away from Amber, so the next day they went to his place of employment and conducted a second interview. During that second interview, he was asked about the blood in Amber's truck. He said that he believed it was due to her pregnancy complications. When Jamie specifically asked Amber about the blood, she didn't answer his questions. Instead, she did her best to clean the blood from the truck and then placed the cleaning rags into a burn barrel located in their front yard. At Amber's instructions, he added trash to the burn barrel and burned it along with the bloody rags. He told investigators that he didn't find any of this suspicious at all.
0: By this time, investigators were sure that Ashley was dead, and Amber, who created the fake Facebook page under the name Lucy Barrows, was responsible. As a result, they contacted the coroner's office, B.J. Goodwin, and demanded an autopsy on Amber's baby along with the DNA test. The coroner also doubled as the funeral director in the town. Goodwin told Five News that the Watermans went to the funeral home the next day on November 1st to arrange their baby's memorial service. This was the same day that they were first contacted by the police. Goodwin stated that the parents were very distraught and there were about 8 to 10 other family members in attendance. He was told that Amber had previously endured 5 to 6 miscarriages before Dakota's alleged stillbirth. Amber and Jamie had requested that Dakota be cremated. However, when he told the couple that he was instructed to take the baby for an autopsy, they immediately became upset. Amber repeatedly asked if that meant that he would take the baby's DNA. Up until that moment, he only saw the couple as grieving parents. However, their entire demeanor changed when they learned that law enforcement had requested a DNA test. The coroner slash funeral director told Five News that that was when Jamie abruptly left the premises. Later, Goodwin would say that encounter with the Watermans was, quote, hands down the craziest thing I have ever dealt with as a coroner in my 16 years. After learning about the autopsy, Jamie Waterman would tell the police that Amber had admitted to him that she had murdered Ashley, But a minute later, she changed the story and told him that it was the fictional Lucy who had murdered Ashley. That's when Amber asked her husband to help dispose of Ashley's body. She was nearby, fully dressed, and face down next to a boat ramp next to their home. She was covered in a blue tarp. Amber callously removed Ashley's ring before instructing Jamie to drag the body and tarp to a fire pit behind the residence. She instructed Jamie to get gasoline to help burn the body. Instead, he purchased a gallon of chainsaw bar oil, which irritated Amber because it doesn't burn as well. Amber poured the oil all over Ashley's body and then began collecting wood to create a bonfire hot enough to destroy all of the evidence. Unsatisfied with the result, she instructed Jamie to drag over the small couch Amber pushed the couch into the fire, hoping it would help to get hot enough to destroy Ashley's body. An hour later, the fire was still going. That's when Amber doused the fire with a garden hose and instructed Jamie to remove the body from the burn pile. Jamie told authorities that Ashley's body was too hot to touch. That's when, according to the probable cause affidavit, Jamie went to the shed on the property for a new tarp. He placed Ashley's remains onto the new tarp and loaded them up with Amber's help into the bed of his pickup truck. They drove the charred remains a short distance away and dumped the body at a place they hoped it wouldn't be found. Then Amber took the second tarp back to their residence where they burned it in the same burn barrel where they had burned the bloody rags Amber used to clean her truck. With Jamie's cooperation, the FBI evidence response team discovered a charred human hand and bone fragments located in the burn pile. All right, breaking news right now. Benton County Sheriff Sean Holloway taking the podium at the sheriff's office right now to talk about the missing Benton County woman, Ashley Bush. We report
2: something uh, over my career. This is one of the most horrific um, uh, cases that I have been personally involved with. Uh, this is still an active case. I'll put that uh, out first. Uh, that we will be limited to what um, details that we can give, because uh, this is a fluid working case at this moment. Um, the sheriff's Office on October 31st started working a case uh, of a missing person, uh, Ashley Bush. Um, of sad news, the report that we have found Ashley Bush, um, uh, who was murdered, in our opinion. Uh, we also have found her baby, uh, Valkyrie Grace Willis, uh, who's deceased as well, uh, was found in a separate location. I uh, won't be able to get into details of that. We do have two people in custody. Uh, this has been a joint uh, case that we've been working with the FBI, Big County Sheriff's Office, and uh, McDonald County, <coughs> Missouri Sheriff's Office. Uh, the two people they have in custody right now are Amber Waterman uh, and Jamie Waterman of Jane Missouri who are currently being held on kidnapping first-degree charges. Uh, We expect uh, further additional charges to come, and I'll let uh, Nathan Smith uh, speak uh, on where we're going with all that. Uh, Well, obviously, uh, our hearts and prayers go out to uh, Ashley's family, and it's a terrible thing. Uh, We have been in touch uh, with uh, multiple jurisdictions. It's clear in this case that there there are multiple venues, if you will, that would have jurisdiction for the prosecution of this case. Uh, I've spoken to uh, our U.S. attorney and going to have conversations going forward with uh, our federal partners to determine uh, which venue is is proper to proceed. Uh, The investigation still is ongoing.
0: According to the autopsy report, Ashley Bush was shot once in the head. Due to the condition of the body, the medical examiner was unable to determine if Ashley was still alive when her baby was horrifically ripped from her body. If Ashley had been shot in the head, her baby, whom she planned to name Valkyrie Grace, would have only survived for minutes still in her womb. We don't know if Valkyrie was born alive or not. It's likely a baby born that early would require significant medical treatment. A baby delivered at just 31 weeks gestation would be considered premature, likely weighing between three to four pounds. In general, preemies born around the 31-week gestational age would require respiratory care to help them breathe as well as a special environment to help them regulate their body temperature and receive proper nutrition. Ashley's baby never stood a chance in the hands of a monster like Amber Waterman. The Benton County Prosecutor's Office charged Amber Waterman with two counts of capital murder and one count of kidnapping in Benton County. The district attorney was adamant about seeking the death penalty. Jamie Waterman was charged with one count of being an accessory after the fact to kidnapping resulting in death. The indictment alleges that he assisted Amber in order to hinder and prevent her apprehension, trial, and punishment, knowing she had committed the offense of kidnapping resulting in death. And for some members of Ashley's family, these charges seem far too light. There are still unanswered questions with regard to the degree of Jamie's involvement. There were eyewitnesses who told authorities that they saw a male throw Ashley's phone from a blue pickup truck, one similar to the one that Jamie drives. Jamie also told emergency responders that Amber had given birth in the car while he was driving. But how is that possible, given the fact that she didn't actually give birth to the baby and had Ashley's placenta inside of her pants? Not to mention the fact that they drove Jamie's truck, yet Amber's truck was the one covered in blood, which he watched her clean up and then helped to burn the evidence. In addition to the Benning County charges in the state of Arkansas, the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Western District also filed competing federal charges against the Watermans. The federal charges will take place prior to the state charges. The state prosecutor's office has stated that he has spoken with the U.S. attorney in Missouri to express hope that Attorney General Merrick Garland will allow her office to seek the death penalty and to assure her that the Benin County Prosecuting Office is prepared to do that if they cannot. The state attorney general stated, quote, "...in the meantime, we will keep the state case open and be as helpful to the federal prosecution as we can." Amber and Jamie will remain in federal custody until their trial begins, which is currently scheduled to take place in June of 2023. As of the release of this episode, both of the Watermans have pleaded not guilty. There is a GoFundMe for Ashley's children entitled the Ashley Boone Bush Children Fund. To date, they have raised $7,750 to help care for the three children who lost their mother in such a brutal manner. Help us spread the word of this case, share this episode with a friend, post it, and help donate to this family that lost so much if you can. Thanks for listening and make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening so you don't miss an episode. We will be with you next week.